The material in this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should not rely on this information to make any medical-related decisions. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a doctor-patient relationship, and nothing should be taken as specific medical advice for any given person. I hope you enjoy Marked Medicine. Hey, Mark. I have a question. Okay. How many times do you think I've asked you that question? Do numbers go that high? I doubt it. And from that concept, the idea of marked medicine was born with Dr. Mark Brulte. And with Amanda Brulte, my favorite nurse practitioner. And you're now listening to Marked Medicine. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Marked Medicine. We're here today to talk about hair loss. A lot of you have asked questions about this, and so we thought we would address this topic and see if we can shed some light on this issue. Well, we touched a little bit on hair loss in our episode that we put out last week when we spoke with Sarah and we talked a lot about the causes of hair loss, but we didn't really specifically address what you can do if you're experiencing hair loss. So that's kind of the goal of today's episode. It'll be a little bit different. It's just Mark and myself and This will be a quick one, but we really, you know, we're listening to you guys. We've been asking you guys to ask questions. We've been asking y'all to submit questions and let us know what you want to hear. And this is one of the things that we heard loud and clear. And so we hope that this is helpful for you today. And so, Mark, to start it off, if you want to kind of recap quickly some of the causes of hair loss, because that is important for people to know, and then we'll jump right into what people can do about it. Well, there's a lot of acute causes and specific causes, but the big two things that most people are kind of worried about is male pattern baldness and female pattern baldness. And, you know, the time-tested treatment for this is Rogaine, minoxidil, topically. And there's a lot of different formulations of it. People don't really know which ones to use or anything, and it's an interesting drug. Minoxidil is the generic name. It's a very potent antihypertensive. As a matter of fact, it's the most potent oral antihypertensive that we have. But they discovered that one of the side effects of this drug was hair growth because it it vasodilates, and by increasing blood flow to the hair follicles, you take away some of the damage to the hair follicles, and the hair begins to grow again. That's how it works. Well, Mark, lots of people really want to know what can I do about my hair loss? So you say that there are lots of different types of Rogaine, different formulations. Are there any available that people can go to town and buy today? Yes, I think a lot of these things are over the counter now. And there are different formulations and strengths. I believe it's 2%, 5%, 7%, and 10%. So the question is, what do you do? How do you know which kinds to take and what strength and things like that. Right. Well, speaking of that, I've actually myself seen at Walgreens, there's a name brand called Hers. There's, They also have a product for men called His, I believe is what it's called. But the product is actually, they have different products, obviously, for that particular brand. But they have one called Minoxidil Topical Solution. It's a 2% solution, and it says it's a hair regrowth treatment. Can you talk about that a little bit? Will something like that actually be effective for people to try? Yes, particularly with females. The advice is start low and go slow. So start out with the 2% because realize 
the side effect is hair growth. And 1.4% of whatever you put on topically is absorbed systemically. So you are going to get systemic hair growth. So a lot of women are like, wow, my hair is looking so thick on my head and I have a mustache. You know, that's not really cool with most of them, you know. And so you have to be worried about the systemic side effects and, and the systemic cause of hair growth in other areas rather than just topically where you put it on your scalp. So most women are advised to start with 2% and go to 5%. And there were studies that compared the 5% and the 10% formulations, and the 5% was more effective. But some of those studies were kind of flawed because I think one was the phosphated form. I believe it's phosphated form of minoxidil. The other one was the base form. So they were kind of comparing apples and oranges and not the exact same chemical compound because there were subsequent studies that showed the 10% definitely to be more effective, but clearly with greater side effects. So with um, male pattern baldness, I think that most guys are advised to start at the 5%. And you may have to go to the 10%, and it may be side effect driven, okay? Um, if you're getting a lot of the excessive hair growth in unwanted areas, it just may not be a treatment that works for you. So the 2% minoxidil, that the 2% and the 5% are actually both FDA approved, believe it or not, for hair loss. The 10% is not, but we can get to that in a few minutes. But how long would you recommend that a person stay on the 2% before deciding it's not working and increasing? Or maybe it's just not working quite well enough. Four months is about the average time where you start seeing hair growth from these products. So I would tell the patients, wait four months. And I do believe it's important to state here that, you know, these are, minoxidil is a very potent drug and and people can actually get enough systemic absorption. They have side effects. So I, I don't think people should be using, even though you may buy it over the counter, I think you need to sit down with your doctor and talk to them about this because there's drug-drug interactions and there's people that have, you know, autonomic dysfunction and things like that, that they need to be very, very careful with these super potent vasodilators. So that's why it's important to start with the 2%. That way you can monitor yourself for any side effects, any systemic side effects that Mark's talking about. Then there's naturally there's topical side effects like itching, dry scalp, flaky scalp, inflammation of the scalp. But if you start the 2% and you start noticing that you're feeling weak or you're feeling dizzy or whatever, then maybe your blood pressure is too low. Correct. So let's say that you do the 2% and it's working okay and I'm not having any side effects and then I want to increase to the 5% again that four, four months and the 5% in most studies was shown to be really the most effective because there's been 10 12 and a half and even 15% formulations of this stuff put out there and it was none of them have been shown to be any more effective than the 5% and again, there is a 5% over-the-counter. They have it at Walgreens, CVS, I'm sure they... And and this is actually, you know, Rogaine will be the name on the box, or you can get the off-brand. I mean, what are your thoughts on just using the off-brand? Well, I think that these well-vetted off-brands that, you know, every store has its own little generic line, you know, whether it's Equate at Walmart or whatever they call the... Um, Walgreens, I can't remember. I think they're all fine. I think they're, you know. So basically, you just need to look and see what the active ingredient is. I mean, for example, if you're reading a box at Walgreens, you know, it'll say compare to the active ingredient in women's Rogaine, but also just keep reading, you know, it'll say minoxidil topical, aerosol 5% for women. Now, those are to be used once a day, typically. It is kind of expensive, I guess, in a way, but 
and it's important to not wash your hair for four hours afterwards so it gets absorbed and it has a chance. The way these things work is they vasodilate. They, they increase the size of the blood vessels that supply blood to the hair follicles, and it allows these hair follicles to go back into the growth phase. Right, right. It says it reactivates hair follicles to stimulate hair growth. Okay, so that's kind of topically speaking. Are there any other topical agents? Well, I guess before we move on, just to talk a little bit again about the 10%, if you read about it, that one is actually not FDA approved for hair regrowth. And there's conflicting studies. Some studies showed no better. Some studies showed the 5% to be more effective. And and there were some studies, particularly with female pattern baldness, that showed it to be more effective. So it's kind of all over the place. So are there any other topical agents or shampoos that you're aware of? Well, if you've got a fungal infection of the scalp, that can cause hair loss. It's important to use antifungal shampoos like Selsun Blue. You may even need oral antifungal agents. And the dermatologist or the doctor's office can diagnose this with scrapings of the skin and what they call KOH preps to look for the fungus growing on the, the skin cells there around the hair. And that's, I think that would be important. And it may require oral treatment, also griseofulvin or diflucan or whatever the appropriate treatment may be. I think it's important in general to clean oily scalps because the oil can plug up the hair follicles and cause cessation of growth of the growth phase and allow hair loss to excessive hair loss to occur. That's right, because on one hand, just obviously as a female, oftentimes I've heard well, if you wash your hair too much, that will cause your hair to fall out. Or if you brush your hair too roughly, that'll cause your hair to fall out. And that's actually not a true statement if you read about it. Not true, yes. Correct. Right. That actually, is not true. the opposite is true. So you should actually make sure that your scalp is clean. You know, if you don't produce lots of oil, then maybe you don't have to wash it every day. But if you are having hair loss and your hair is oily, then... Don't be scared that washing it is going to make it further fall out. In fact, the opposite is true. You need to be washing it. And at that in that situation, I would recommend maybe using the Seltzer Blue shampoo. And then yes. you can still apply these topical, you know, agents. Correct. The of course, uh, a quick statement to make: everything you read about all these things, stop alcohol and stop smoking. Now, I know that's not talking about something topical, but it's just sage advice. Particularly when you read about hair hair loss, it specifically states that. It does. So that has to be done. You know, if you don't exactly know the cause of your hair loss and maybe you smoke or maybe you drink alcohol or whatever, try try cutting back on those or stopping those and seeing if that helps. So can we talk a little bit about oral minoxidil? Because I have been asked about that before. And I do want us to talk about that because I know that everything is a risk-benefit scenario. But just in my personal opinion, I'm not sure that the benefits outweigh the risk. And actually, from what you read, there are some clinical trials going on. But they're also undecided as to whether or not the benefits outweigh the risk when it's used specifically for hair loss. It is not indicated for hair loss, by the way. It's just a side effect. I would be extremely wary of pro- of prescribing the most potent blood pressure medicine that I can prescribe to somebody that probably doesn't even have hypertension and just wants the side effect of that medication, even at low dose. That is not something that I personally would do, okay? 
if you had a disease process that was causing this hair loss that a specialist, a dermatologist, or somebody thought that was indicated under those circumstances, it's completely okay to prescribe drugs, what we call off-label, that don't have an FDA indication. But I do that all the time. Every practicing physician does, okay? But there's no way that Mark Brulte, as a general practitioner, would do something like that without consultation with a specialist or even sending the patient to the specialist and somebody that's very in tune with these side effects and knows the dosages that are least likely to produce side effects and what conditions it would really be severe enough to warrant the risk of those side effects. So my short answer is no, I wouldn't do that. I I completely agree with you. Okay, and if we can talk a little bit about the fact that we know that Ozempic, Wagovi, Monjaro, some of those things, there may be some hair loss associated with those. Now, again, it may not be a direct causation. It may be because of the rapid weight loss or malnutrition. Is that the right word? Well, everything that I read said that it was from the weight loss and it probably sets off a process called telogen effluvium, which thankfully, and you see women very concerned about this. They have surgery, they have a baby, they have a a, a C-section or something like that. And because of the physiologic stress of all that, it sets their hairs into the telogen phase, which is the rest phase and not the growth phase. And they start losing clumps of hair, literally just coming out in clumps. It's called telogen effluvium. The good news here is it always self-corrects in a few weeks to months and everything goes back to growing the way it's supposed to. And so that will just get better on its own. No treatment needed other than the tincture of time. But if you would like to do some treatment, and I'm not speaking to pregnant women here, I'm just speaking to women in general, maybe ones that have been on Ozempic or whatever, obviously with malnutrition, for lack of better words, you can have vitamin deficiencies. So can we talk just a little bit about how a vitamin deficiency can impact hair loss and then how vitamin supplementation can actually help with hair growth? Well, some of the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, iron, zinc, selenium, some of these deficiencies have been implicated in hair loss, but the only ones that are actually proven are B2, which is riboflavin deficiency, biotin deficiency, folate deficiency, and B12 or cyanocobalamin deficiency. Those are the four that are absolutely proven to cause hair loss uh, as a deficiency-induced hair loss. Those are easy enough to supplement. Okay, and it should be available in most multivitamins, but that's the actual four that are proven. Um, So I don't think it's that difficult to treat. Now, how do you know if that's what it is, or should you just kind of start taking a multivitamin if you have hair loss and that's cheap, simple, safe, and effective? I think that's the route to go there. Because there are some research articles that say that we actually need large, double blind, placebo controlled trials to establish any association between hair loss and micronutrient deficiency. And I think the whole reason why people think that there could be a correlation is because um, there is a role that vitamins and minerals have in the hair cycle and in the immune defense mechanism, you know, but again, we don't really know if... Yeah, because it was kind of shocking to me that they never proved vitamin C caused hair loss, yet... Uh, absolute lack of vitamin C leads to the disease scurvy, you know, that the, the the sailors got of years gone past when they didn't have access to fruits and vegetables on the ships and 
So there probably does need to be more research on what actually, what deficiencies actually can cause hair loss. Right. Now, there does seem to be some research on the fact that protein malnutrition can cause hair loss. Absolutely. I'm, I can certainly envision that being true. So if you're having hair loss, then increase your protein intake. Correct. Potentially. Okay, so we've kind of touched on topical things you can do. We've ta- touched on vitamins. We've touched on a little bit of diet. Mm-hmm. What other what other things can people do to help with hair regrowth? Well, always with these metabolic conversations, thyroid comes up. Endocrine, 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 thyroid, thyroid. So hypo or hyperthyroidism. That's but in today's world with these ultra sensitive assays to measure thyroid function testing, it's extremely easy to diagnose with a free T three, free T four, and a TSH level. Your primary care doctor should be able to rule that out very rapidly. There. Um, is a specific condition called alopecia areata that's an immune problem where the immune system attacks causes hair loss. Now, there is an, a drug indicated for that for severe alopecia areata. I know that most people listening won't have that. It's one of the kinase inhibitors. Uh, I can't even pronounce it. Retlacitinib. It's the, the drug name is Litfulo. But that would be a very specific thing prescribed by a specialist for a patient with that diagnosis, $49,000 a year. So, you know, it's not something everybody's just going to run out and get. One thing we didn't talk about orally was oral finasteride, which is blocks the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. Dihydrotestosterone is the male hormone that causes male pattern baldness. So, that is another oral option for men with male pattern baldness, along with the Rogaine. Now, as far as hair cosmetics for hair loss or whatever, there's some research and some studies that, you know, look at hair products and things that are used to see if they cause hair loss or if they can help with hair regrowth or whatever. And one of the one study in particular talks about the fact that hair dyeing and then straightening your hair can have unwanted side effects. I think it's just the heat. You know, it just kind of damages the the hair follicle. Um, there are certain shampoos that can also alter hair fibers and the structure of the hair fiber and remove lipids and elude proteins and things like that, just things that can kind of damage the hair shaft and the follicle itself. So that's another thing for people to keep in mind. Maybe you should lay off of hair dye for a little while, heat products. I would stick with shampoos that have minoxidil in it or either Seltzer Blue while you're going through this until you figure out what works for you. Right. Treating the hair externally in and of itself doesn't cause hair loss in that the hair is falling out of the follicle. But now what some of these things can do, like hairsprays and whatnot, is plug up the follicles and create a damaged environment for that hair follicle where the hair does fall out. So I do think that simple is best here. Any other things, any other tips that you can give people? Well, I think that, as always, no smoking, no drinking, avoiding those types of toxins. Get with your primary care doctor because maybe there is something going on like the thyroid or whatnot. Uh, or maybe something simple like the telogen effluvium that's going to self-correct. So you may be reacting or overreacting to a self-limited situation. And there may be 
deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies, these levels can all be measured. So I do think, once again, as you're going to hear over and over, that relationship with the primary care provider to use as a springboard to start getting some answers and get referred to a specialist if needed, a dermatologist or whomever, is oh so very important and cannot be overstated, the importance of that. Absolutely. And once you've done all of those things, then you can take some of these other tips into consideration. And I'll link those in our show notes and I'll list those out for you guys because I know this is something that's very important to some people. They want to know what can I do about the hair loss? Even if I'm waiting to get in with my doctor to have all these things done, is there anything that I can do to, on my part, is there anything on my end that I can go ahead and do and go ahead and start right now? And so I'll link all of that for you guys. And so just remember that November is, you know, the American Academy of Dermatology has designated November as National Healthy Skin Month. And they say that this is a time for us to pay attention to our skin and learn about skincare and adopt habits that can lead to healthier skin, hair, and nails. And so we've kind of brushed on skin last week. If you didn't get to listen to that episode, I'm sorry, two weeks ago when we spoke with Hallie, if you didn't get to listen to that episode, check it out. And remember, you should also be having a skin exam at least once a year by your primary care provider. We talked about all the causes of hair loss last week in the episode with Sarah Nan. And so today we've kind of brushed on treatment for hair loss. Anything that you'd like to add, Mark, for the listeners? Well, in, in full disclosure, Amanda, I just want you to know that I'm hopelessly bald. <laughs> and I hope you don't mind it. Well, I don't think that you're hopelessly bald. I myself have had lots of hair thinning over the past couple of years and I think a lot of it can actually be attributed to COVID if you want to know the truth but mine's finally growing back per Sarah Ann so I'm glad of that but we hope that this helped you guys thank y'all so much for listening for now we'll wrap up all of our healthy skin conversations and tune in next week we're going to move right into another topic that's super important November is also Diabetes Awareness Month, so we'll be talking about that next week. But thank you all so much for listening. Remember, you can find us at markedmedicine.com. You can submit your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. If not on social media, then maybe we can work in a quick episode like this. This just seemed to be a a question that lots of people wanted the answer to. So thank you all for asking, and I hope that this helps. Thank you all so much for listening.